Before we begin this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef, I just really quickly wanted to say that if you for any reason want to reach out to the podcast, you can write to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. I have been getting a lot of emails and DMs from around the world and it's so nice to hear from you all and I do take the time to read and respond to everyone. I also wanted to say that this week's episode is being brought to you by Saks Underwear. Saks make honestly the best underwear in the world and if you're like me a few months ago and didn't really care or pay attention to where your underwear came from, then honestly listen. Go to SaksUnderwear.com and try them out. They are the best, most comfortable and breathable underwear I have ever worn. They have changed my life in the kitchen and with Valentine's Day coming next week, ladies, you can do no better than give your guy the gift of Saks. That's enough from me. Let's get right into this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It should come as no surprise to you that I am a fan of history. I love history. I love learning where we came from, where we started from, and what we can learn from our mistakes and more often than not what mistakes we have made already. Throughout history, there are a few names that stand out from the rest. And the cool thing is that we all have the chance to somehow make our own name into the history books and join the ranks of people that have done something amazing, something that changed how we live and none other more than the man we are talking about today, Charles Darwin. Charles was a naturalist. He traveled the world on the ship the HMS Beagle, documenting animals, and throughout his travels stumbled upon the subtle anarchy of evolution, the idea that creatures evolve to suit the habitat that surrounds them. He is lauded as the man who had the sheer nerve to stand up to the religious mainstream and suggest that the idea and concept that an almighty God created man and animals as they were was foolish and wrong and we were living a lie. He is hailed as a lover of animals, the man who discovered hundreds of species of animals and for some reason was believed to be a vegetarian. However, sometimes history can be wrong. Sometimes history can forget certain things about a person. It can leave certain things out to make sure that the image that is most pleasing to the public is remembered and not the real version. And the real version of Charles Darwin is what we are talking about today. Today, we're talking about the fact that Darwin killed and ate almost every animal he discovered. How his hunger for exotic meat led him on his journey around the world. And about how history forgot the devil in Charles Darwin.
Cambridge University was home to a strange dinner club. Back in the day, dinner or supper clubs were all of the rage. Members would dine weekly or monthly and catch up with one another in each club specializing in things like the food of France, or a club of former sailors who would get together and talk about the glory days of sailing around the world. This club at Cambridge University, one of the world's most prestigious and awarded schools, was called the Glutton Club. And it was run by Charles Darwin, and it specialized in eating exotic meat, and I quote, The goal of the club was to seek out strange flesh and to consume the birds and beasts which were before unknown to the human palate. Every week, members would gather in one of Cambridge's grand halls and eat meat that had been poached, bought, or hunted from around the world. Members would eat things like grilled armadillo or a sea creature with no name, sitting down and tucking into dishes prepared for them by a chef who also had this odd bloodlust of feasting upon the flesh of the unknown. The goal of the Glutton Club wasn't just to eat random animals. It was meant as an adventure, as a way to expand the palates of its members so that in the future when talking about, say, a giraffe, they could stand there and laugh and say that they had dined on one and found the flesh to be quite gamey, not unlike that of a rhinoceros. Being a gourmand, and being one with an educated and odd palate was somehow a status symbol. And as the world grew smaller and smaller, with ships heading to every country and bringing home more and more odd animals, clubs like the Glutton Club and its leader, Darwin, would try to impress their friends with the ever-growing list of animals they had dined on. It wasn't just animals from abroad that Darwin and his guests would feast on. It was animals found in Britain as well. And on one unfortunate night, the entire group got sick after eating a common barn owl that had been grilled for their pleasure, but the flesh had already rotted, and as they ate the stringy meat, they all very quickly switched to drinking copious amounts of alcohol to try and stave off the food poisoning that was sure to follow. It didn't work, and they all got sick. Darwin, who was by this point a fastidious note-taker, wrote in his notebook only one word about the owl incident. Indescribable. The club quickly disbanded a short while later. Finding himself in London and tired of his religious studies, he took a job on the HMS Beagle as a naturalist, essentially someone who would study the wildlife and record the findings. And it was during that fateful trip where a young Darwin would not only discover such things as the Galapagos tortoises, iguanas on the rocks, and also the idea of evolution, but also was inspired to join the ship to figure out how to eat and prepare every animal he stumbled upon. The five-year journey on the HMS Beagle that began in 1831 is why we know who Charles Darwin is. It's the trip where the research and specimens he would record and study would define the next 50 years of his life. The HMS Beagle was a 10-cannon Royal Navy ship that had already been around the world on survey missions by the time Darwin walked on board in London, ready to see what animals he could find. On the ship, he sailed quite literally around the world, and in the history books, it's where we learned how Darwin discovered the famous Galapagos Islands, and the place where iguanas resting on rocks and swimming helped him to discover the concept that animals and people evolved to adapt to their surroundings. Now that is all true, but what is also true is that thanks to the idea of eating the rarest of species that came from his days as the head of the Glutton Club, Darwin also had the crew shoot and the ship's chef prepare virtually all of the animals he discovered. Darwin on his voyage ate dozens of pumas, jaguars, iguanas, armadillos, countless fish and bird species, and on one occasion dined on a 20-pound chocolate-covered rodent lost to history and something that Darwin described in his notebooks as the most delicious meal he had ever had. 
the famous tortoises of the Galapagos that Darwin is quite literally responsible for the discovery of, were so delicious that he had the crew load 48 of them onto the HMS Beagle as they were leaving the islands to roam around the deck eating lettuce so that they could kill and eat them one by one while they kept sailing around the globe. The tortoises are apparently perfect to grill, braise, or be cooked in soups. As the ship stayed in the Galapagos Islands for five weeks, Darwin took every opportunity to go ashore and study the animals he found there. He wrote everything down and collected specimens to bring back to England. And he also ate most of what he found. His hunger for the strange and exotic knocked ceasing as he slowly stumbled upon his theory of evolution. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by Vincero Watches. Vincero makes super high quality and beautiful watches, and by cutting out the middleman and selling them directly to you on their website, they are saving you a lot of money. I love my Vincero watch. It has held up to the heat and steam of the kitchen for months, and even though I like to collect watches and have a lot of really nice ones, every single day I just wear my Vincero. Listeners of this podcast can use the promo code CHEF that's C-H-E-F at checkout on their purchase of a Vincero watch at VinceroWatches.com to get 20% off your entire purchase. Again, use the promo code CHEF at checkout. And now, back to the show. There seemed to be no slowing down Darwin's appetite during his voyage on the Beagle. The men on board, and Darwin included, would eat everything that he discovered, until one meal in Patagonia seemed to change Darwin's attitude to eating exotic meat. While the crew were in the northern Andes, he heard word of a rare local version of a large flightless bird called a rhea. He spent days trying to find it because it sounded almost and weirdly identical to another species of the same bird he had seen already on his travels. After a few months and no luck, the ship continued sailing south. And the very next week, the ship's artist was walking in the woods on the coast and he shot a rhea, which he brought back to the boat for the crew to eat for dinner. As the men were sitting and enjoying the roasted bird, Darwin suddenly realized halfway through the meal that the rhea that they were eating was not a young adolescent version of the common one that he had seen before, but in fact the smaller evolved version of the species he'd been trying to find for months. 
He got up and ran up and down the table, frantically picking up whatever meat and bones were left on the plates of the crew to send back to England for study. That species of bird, the smaller one, was eventually named after him, the Rhea Darwini. The encounter of the roasted Rhea on his plate kind of shocked Darwin. Here he was consuming something that was so rare even he couldn't find it until it was too late. But there was something else about the Rhea that troubled him. From what he could see from the leftover bones in his cabin later that night, this species of Rhea was exactly the same as the other species of the bird he had already seen, eaten, and studied. But it was different. Up until that point, Darwin had assumed that animals only ever developed into superior perfected versions of their own species. But by that time in the late 1830s, using the experience of the Rhea and also the giant tortoises that he was feasting on every day, he started to figure out that the animals could adapt over time so much that they could evolve into a different species completely. And his earth-shattering theory of evolution was born. Animals could change over time. And for the first time, he didn't want to eat them anymore. The devil that had been leading his appetite all over the world for so many years was quiet. When Darwin returned to England, he settled down and married and had ten children. As far as we know, his appetite for the exotic meat of the world never returned. Very recently, a book was published of his wife's recipes for the household, and they included British classics like stews and pies, all with beef or lamb, and no recipes for the iguana he had relished eating only years earlier. Tastes can change. People can change. The prevailing theory on why Darwin stopped his reckless way of eating everything he found was because, after the Rhea incident, he realized that his culinary curiosity, his hunger for weird meat, could and probably had already destroyed evidence that would have made his explaining evolution a lot simpler. One just has to think about that 20-pound rodent covered in chocolate that was the best meat he had ever tasted. He never found out what that was. There are two different ways of looking at Darwin's appetite. One is that it was a weird and slightly morbid way of eating and traveling around the world, to constantly search out meat that hadn't been tasted before by man. And the other is that without his appetite, without his hunger, he never would have gotten on board the HMS Beagle and traveled the world, a trip that resulted in humanity changing completely. The appetite is why he traveled. The need to eat everything is why he became a naturalist, so that he could get close to animals never seen before a quest that began when he ran the Glutton Club at Cambridge so many years before that. It's funny to think that the devil in Darwin's stomach was the reason that he proved religion was false. That we and everything on this earth were not placed here in perfect form by some omnipotent being. That we, in fact, evolved into what we are today, that everything changes, and that the world and everything on it adapted. And we owe the devil in Charles Darwin for that. February 12th is Darwin Day. It's his birthday. Around the world, people celebrate the man that gave us the gift of knowing where we came from. Lectures are given, glasses are raised, and toasts are said about the knowledge and the sacrifice that this young Victorian scientist had to go through to publish his theory of evolution, a theory that still causes friction today. So on February 12th, next week, I would like to suggest that we all celebrate a different way. Eat something you haven't had before. Try the strange. Try octopus or pheasant or venison or something that may have freaked you out. Let's celebrate Darwin Day the way that he would have wanted and history wants us all to forget. Let's celebrate his hunger, 
Let's celebrate his appetite. And let's celebrate the devil that was in Charles Darwin. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me and produced by Timothy McDonald. I want to thank Vincero Watches and Sachs for letting me talk about them. If you want to write into the show, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. We are back next Thursday with another brand new episode of the show. And so until then, as always, I'm Brian Clark. Have a great service and have a great week.